The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning. It's great to be with you, to have this opportunity to, to share with you. Um, a couple people just recently told me that they think we need to have more opportunity for confession. So I'm going to start with a confession that I thought of as I was sitting here on the front row. And if, if we're being honest, men in this room, how many of you confession time have sat there and imagined that that voice coming out of Wes McKenzie was yours? It, it doesn't seem fair, does it? We want to welcome you and thank you for being with us today, whether you're a guest with us. We're thankful that you're here. Whether you're online, we're glad you are here sitting in this room. Thank you. It's a blessing to be together in the name of Jesus together today. We are so thankful, so thankful that God gives us the opportunity together, together in his name, to grow in his likeness and to go with the power of the Spirit as missions delegate, I want to begin today by saying thank you. Thank you for your giving in 2022, which exceeded our budget. Thank you so much. Because of your giving, we have been able to continue our ongoing works here in the United States, in Belgium, in Germany, and in Rwanda, and additionally, significantly support works through ad hoc giving in Singapore, Greece, Honduras, Japan, Austria, Ghana, and others where those are going out, places like Iran and Cambodia. God has provided in significant ways through his people here at the Springs. Thank you. For 2023, we have budgeted $130,000 for our ongoing ministries to which we will be adding, as well as continuing to support ministries through ad hoc resources. And we'll share more detail with you next week about those sites and our exciting portfolio of families and ministries around the world that you will be a part of serving and sharing in global mission. And throughout this missions month, we want to ask you to share with us where have you been? Where have you served? How has God used you? And as you came in this morning, maybe you saw the maps that were sitting over here by the door. And those maps are intended for you to use. There are pens sitting there on that table. Take those pens and pen the map in locations that you have served God globally and here in the U.S. I'm not going to define what that mission, what mission is, but for you to to pin that map. And then on the table, there's also some paper. And on that paper, there's a form for you to, to document where you've been and when you served so that we can later in this month share that information where the people in this body have served. And I think you're going to be quite amazed at how God is using this body and the people in this room to his glory. And so please take advantage of that opportunity and do that with us. Each week during our class time, many of you were here this morning, and I, I'm certain we're blessed by that time, we're going to be sharing together with some panels with different people from, from this body and, and others 
about their, insp- their experiences, about stories that will hopefully inspire and encourage you. And I hope you, you will make plans to be with us this month and be praying how you, how you can be used in 2023. As most of you know, the last day of this month, all of the giving on that, that last day, not the last day of the month, but the last Sunday of the month, all giving goes toward the missions that we support as well as your pledges for the year. And that's how we're able to take care of these missionaries and these mission points. And so we pray that you will be thinking about and praying about how God will use you in that way on that day and through this year. I pray that this month will challenge our perspectives, encourage our growth, and foster engagement to God's glory. I want to begin this morning with a story of a man who was observing someone in the distance. He was walking along the beach, but much further up the beach, looking down, and he saw this figure that was bending over and picking something up and throwing it into the ocean and just kept doing it repeatedly. And so he began to wake his, make his way down to the, to the shoreline to see what was going on. And he noticed a lady who was bending over and picking up starfish. And she was picking them up one at a time and tossing them back into the ocean where they needed to be to survive. And he was curious why it was that she was doing this. And he looked around, and as he looked around, he noticed that were, there were thousands of these starfish, which was a, a bit of an unusual sight. You don't usually see thousands of starfish. But for whatever reason, they had washed up on shore, and she was bending over, picking them up, and throwing them back into the ocean one at a time. And so he asked her, he said, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you throwing these back into the ocean? There's, there's so many of them. And she said to him, if I don't throw them back in the ocean, they'll die before high tide returns. And so I'm, I'm throwing them back. And he was baffled by that response. And he said to her, why? It doesn't matter. Look, there are thousands of them. You can't throw them all back in. And she looked at him, bent over, picked up one more starfish, threw it in the ocean, looked at him, and said, it matters to that one. She made a choice to make a difference, knowing that she couldn't save them all. And she didn't wait on others who might have better ideas or different solutions or greater expertise or more education. She didn't convene experts or take a vote. She didn't just ignore and walk away. She chose to do what she could do with what she had. This story makes me think about the times that we decide that we are not needed, or it's someone else's responsibility, or there's someone in here who can do it better than me, or whatever excuse it is that we make to not engage, to not serve, to not share. We ignore the hurting and the spiritually dying right in front of us, hoping that no one notices or whatever it is that we use to rationalize in our disengagement. Today, I want you to understand that you are important. You are important and you are needed. 
you and you and you and you are important and needed. The thing about that that's interesting is that you are needed and you are influencing everyone that you encounter, everyone that you encounter, either negatively or positively. That's a pretty big responsibility to think about, that my actions and my words are influencing those around me whether I know it or not. I also want you to realize today and to recognize your importance to mission and to this body. The global footprint of this church is substantial as a result of decades of collective and individual footprints of this church. As you've seen and heard, we've themed this month Better Together because we truly believe that we are better together. And as someone who has been supported by this body, both long-term and short-term, I am witness and have lived this reality. And I'm going to share a part of my story, a part of a very big picture, a much bigger picture, that I hope visually describes what put me on the path to serving abroad in missions. And as you listen to my story, I want you to think about the people in your life who have influenced you and the people that you have and you will influence in the future. In 1968, my mother was a new Christian. And my mother, as a new Christian, decided to offer her child back to God. She had recently read the story that we're all so familiar with of Hannah and Samuel and decided that for her, this was an appropriate thing to do. And so she did. And she told me that she didn't know exactly what that meant or what it might mean, but she believed that that's what God was calling and asking her to do. I was born in the shadow of that prayer and grew up in a home of educators who were very active in their faith through their local church and community. I grew up with a constant example of service. Parents, know that your role is vital, is absolutely vital to God's call of his children. From a family perspective, there were other positive influences on me. But one more than others, in an uncle whose faith is lived very proactively and always using teachable moments, his prayerful and proactive faith came to be a pillar for our family while serving abroad. He was that person, and I don't know if you have this person in your family, but I, I hope you do. He was that person who would contact us in the middle of the night, not the middle of our night in Rwanda, but the middle of the night in the U.S., and call and say that he had been awoken by the Spirit to pray for us. And the interesting thing about that is that without exception, without exception, he always contacted us in a critical need moment. 
His life example has demonstrated to me being led by the promptings of the Spirit through prayer and seeing every individual in front of us as worthy of the gospel. My parents grew up in homes with Christian mothers, but they had not fully accepted the gospel message for themselves. They moved to southwest Kansas where my father began his teaching and administrative career. And my life was subsequently changed because according to my mother, my father's colleague, Roy Stoll, invited them to church. And I know that some of you in this room know and knew Roy and Jane Stoll who attended Quell Springs on May in the later years of their lives. Through Roy, my parents became friends with a small group of families. One of those couples were the parents of Lisa Ross, someone else that I'm sure many of you remember from the Quell Springs days. Thankfully, those families decided that living and sharing the gospel was their responsibility as believers. And as such, my parents came to faith. Our God of providence did not stop there. Roy and Jane's son, Marvin, was a star basketball player. And now after I hearing Jeff this morning, I'm wondering if, Jeff, did you know Marvin? I don't see you, but would have been on one of those early LST trips that, that you mentioned. Marvin was a star basketball player in junior and senior high school. And I was that five-year-old little boy looking up to that basketball player that was so good. I was that little kid, and he was that big kid, and I wanted to be like Marvin. Marvin had my full attention, and he never knew it. He never knew it, but he had my full attention. Although we moved when I was six, I maintained interest in what he did. So when my family received a letter from him that he was going on a mission trip, with a group that eventually became Let's Start Talking LST, I knew that I too would eventually go on a mission trip. Marvin wasn't that different than many of our young guys right over here. In fact, there's a couple that remind me of them as I look at them and observe them. Marvin was like many of us. I looked up to him like littles are looking up to you guys. And gals. He had a significant influence on me without ever saying a word. At least I don't recall him ever saying a word. I might have been too enamored by him to to hear those words. But he had my attention. And therefore, his choices mattered. His choices mattered because I was following the model that he was setting for me, even though he never knew that. There are kids that are watching each of you young people and a little bit older young people. And they're making choices based on your choices, based on your actions, based on your words, how you speak, what you do. You may never know that, but believe me, there are children sitting here in this room in these classrooms who are observing what you guys and gals do and say you make a difference in this body and in that is a responsibility that I pray that you will accept and embrace with God's guidance in the years that followed as a preteen and teen 
many more played a significant part in my thinking and eventual choices from our church family, beginning with a Bible class teacher, Marion L. Packard, who would lay her hands on my shoulder and say things like, someday you're going to be a great missionary. The thing about her was she was consistent and she was intentional. Consistent and intentional in speaking into the lives of children in her presence. You too can do that. And I know some of you do. I think of a senior woman who babysat me and always spoke encouragement into my life. I could see and feel her hopes for me as she praised the smallest things, and I barely ever slowed down to listen to her. But I heard her. I heard her. Her voice and encouragement mattered, as does yours. I think of the arrival of a new youth minister, ministry couple. They were fresh out of university at Oklahoma Christian and back from an LST mission project. I wasn't listening to everything they said, I have to admit, but I vividly listened when they began to talk about their LST mission project in which my childhood hero had also participated years earlier. You see, God used Marvin to plant the seed, and now he was using others to water it. I was blessed to work a couple of summers on a farm where my Christian boss modeled Jesus through his work ethic, his behavior, his words, his service, his action. He never had to say, what would Jesus do? He just lived it. And I remember how he treated me and others when we messed up. Like the time I got three farm vehicles, two tractors and a farm truck, stuck in the same place within an hour. What he saw in my mistakes was opportunity to love and to mentor. You too can do that for others. In 1987, I I found myself in God's country at Oklahoma State. I don't, amen? Yeah. Maybe 50%. This was another vital time for me when I was blessed to be in a church that was proactive in connecting families and new students through a university student adoption program where families helped us and fed us and spoke into our lives. Many of you remind me of these families because many of you have done the same for students, for refugees, for traveling missionaries and others. Guys, we don't need a program We just need to serve. Fellow students during that period also made a difference in my life, but one in particular who asked me to join him on an LST mission project. He didn't have to say anything more as the seed had already been planted. It had already been watered, and the Holy Spirit had captured my attention through that acronym and through people God used to foster mission in my mind. This student promoted mentoring and passing the baton, and he proactively and physically passed the LST baton to me to carry on at OSU when he graduated. Experiences in college taught me so much, 
but perhaps nothing more important than God using us even in our weaknesses and a realization that he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And second, that he can use anyone for his purpose, like the time we were required to leave Bulgaria in, the cold, in a former Cold War country, only to have an atheist and an active scoffer of Christianity fight for our team so that we could return and share the gospel. God can use anyone. If he can use that atheist, that scoffer, he can certainly use those of us in this room who believe in Jesus Christ. Through each mission opportunity, God blessed me as witness to amazing work of the Spirit, including many divine connections, which I hope you're starting to see on this map of sorts on the screen. That are these, these connections, these divine connections, are testimony in themselves. And one of those is with the Brazos, our own missionaries. Paul and Carol were fresh on the mission field when a 19-year-old showed up on his first mission project in 1988. And I remember Carol chasing three littles around the house, one of whom ended up working for me at Oklahoma Christian, and another who served on a Springs Go team with us in Rwanda before we moved there full time. During those college years, Paul's father happened to live in Stillwater very briefly. It seemed like maybe a year, two years. And I believe this again was the work of the Spirit that paired me with Clinton Brazel in a men's mentoring group. Another divine connection was meeting Brett Schreck's parents at a youth hostel in Hungary where we spent a single night passing through the country on our way back to the U.S. It would be more than a decade later before Holly and I would meet Brett and Kelly at Quell Springs, who eventually joined us in Rwanda. This work of the Spirit was all part of preparing a boy from rural Oklahoma to eventually serve in 11 countries, including 11 years in Rwanda. Let this encourage you to open your eyes to see what the Spirit is doing with and around you. God has used individuals in this body in our journey and in our service abroad. Families like the Gucci's who spent no less than a year in our home in Rwanda over several, several trips as they picked up tasks and did things that we were doing so that we could come back to the States to be with our families, to see our families. The Osbournes who dreamed with us and have been engaged from the days of ideas until today with a vibrant school and church that is now led by a national who was part of a scholar program at Oklahoma Christian that John leads. God used those of you who faithfully partnered with us, those who blessed us in contexts of crisis, those who remembered us in special ways and in special seasons.
Those who kept us uplifted in prayer, meals when visiting, beds to sleep in, supplies to return with, trips to the airport at 4 a.m. with trunks of supplies. Yes, I see you, Ron and Sarah. Stinchcombs, Mullicans, McCurdy's, Shoemakers, Rosses, Mission Team. God has used so many of you, many more than I named, to make our work possible in Rwanda. You see, it wasn't our work. It wasn't even your work. It was God's work. And he did it with us together. You made us better together. Paul tells us through Scripture that the whole body, the whole body, that includes us, is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament that it grows and builds itself up in love as each part, each part does its work. It doesn't say part of us. It says each part. If you have had an injury to your body or part of, part of your body doesn't function as it is supposed to, you understand the importance of that body part. Just like the loss of a body part changes one's life and ability, the loss of any part of this body impedes the life of this church and the work of our missionaries. Those in my path to missions are part of my story. And in turn, they're also a part of our collective story. You are part of the story of those in this room and those on the field. You may be the person who inspires, influences, or encourages someone else in this room to reach their potential in service to God. Let me say that again. You, you, may be the person who inspires, who influences, or encourages someone else in this room to reach their potential in service to God. You've now heard how God weaves us together through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit also works through prayer. And some of you will remember this story worthy of its repeated testimony. Way before we arrived in Rwanda in 1994, in the massacre of a million people, one man took it upon himself to pray over a couple acres of land. The land had been a central location in Rwanda to witchcraft. And that one man, Sindrali, gathered a prayer team. And for seven years, they prayed around this three or four acres of land and prayed and prayed that one day God would use this land. They prayed that a Christian school and a church would be built on that land. As prayers continued, the government launched the building of a model community that would include a school and a community center. A community center complete with minarets on the front corners. You see, that building was built by Tunisians that I assume had different dreams for that building than we used it for. Sindrali and his team continued to pray 
after those buildings were built, not for hours or for days, but for years. Their prayer was the same, that one day an army of Christians would be educated and trained from this place to move around the globe, transforming the world for Christ in whatever they do. That prayer continued for seven more years as those buildings sat empty. As an answer to 14 years of prayer, Christ Church Rwanda CCR and Kigali International Community School campus opened in 2006. Kix educates hundreds of students from Rwanda and around the world. Kix, along with CCR, became the fulfillment of Sandrali's faithful prayers. And that is just the tip of the iceberg in what has resulted from such prayer over that property in Rwanda. We feel so honored that God used this church as part of the answer to Sandrali's prayers. Four Springs families and Jamie Boyle serve that ministry, and Jamie continues to serve in Rwanda today. Because of the Springs, individual, individuals and collective, the purchase of that property that had been prayed over for 14 years was purchased. That prayer began to be realized. And I will never forget the night many of you were in that room that Tom Gooch, Larry Schwab, and others worked to motivate this church to purchase that property. One after another would raise their hand and offer a concern or a worry or a question. It was a pretty lengthy evening. I don't know how much you guys remember that. Question after question, wondering, was this really even possible? Until Lee Mulliken, who sits with the Lord now, stood then and said, why? Why wouldn't we do this? And he sat back down. That's all he said. No more discussion took place. I'm certain we had been there at three hours at that point, question after question, concern after concern. And Lee reminded us with his words, he projected to us with his words that we have a big God bigger than all of our questions and it was time for us to act to trust and to act you are part of a much bigger story a story that has continued with chapter after chapter of God's faithfulness provision and blessing as a Jesus follower, we should remember Jesus' words as documented in John chapter 15. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Peter tells us that we should use whatever gift we have received to serve others, 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. As the Holy Spirit leads us in our calling with the gifts that we have received, let us walk in humility and alertness that we might grow in faith, allowing Jesus to mature us into his likeness, that we might become bearers of much fruit. I want you to listen to these words from Mark Batterson and the powerful example before us in Scripture of stepping beyond our comfort zones in order to be difference makers. He writes, Faith is the willingness to look foolish. Noah looked foolish building a boat in the middle of the desert. The Israelite army looked foolish marching around Jericho blowing trumpets. The shepherd boy David looked foolish charging at a giant with a slingshot. The Magi looked foolish tracking a star to Timbuktu. Peter looked foolish getting out of a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus looked foolish wearing a crown of thorns. But the results speak for themselves. Noah was saved from the flood. The wall came tumbling down. David defeated Goliath. The Magi discovered the Messiah. Peter walked on water. And Jesus was crowned King of Kings. If you are unwilling to risk your pride or your reputation, you'll never build a boat like Noah or get out of a boat like Peter. You see, you can't build God's reputation if you aren't willing to risk your own. Family, no one is asking you to fight a giant with a slingshot or walk on water, but God does ask us to serve others and to share the gospel. He asks us to care about individuals like the woman who was on the beach picking up one starfish at a time and tossing it back into the ocean because it mattered to that one. He may not be calling you to serve overseas, although if the Spirit is tugging on you, let's talk. He may not ask you for 14 years of prayer before an answer, but that might be exactly what it takes to prepare the mind of someone in this room to take a step deeper into the world of the lost. He might be calling you to serve as a teacher who speaks into the hearts of some of this church's future teachers, preachers, missionaries, and servants. He might be asking you to walk alongside refugees, the homeless, the widows, orphans in this country, in our backyard. As we close today, as we close today, I want to ask you to commit yourself to being proactive in the lives of others in this body. I'd ask you to stand if you will commit yourself to that. To stand right now if you will commit yourself to being in the life of others for the sake of God's glory. To stand right now if you will commit yourself to being a friend, a mentor, a teacher, a champion, a prayer partner, a servant, a difference maker in the lives of others in this body.
And as, I, as you stand, I ask you to commit. I ask you as a commitment and a testimony to others in this room. I challenge you to commit right now in your mind someone's name, the name or names of others in this body who that you will commit to engaging with, to serving, blessing, sharing for the sake of the gospel and the souls of the lost because we are better together.